Old routines die hard, like those multiple cups of coffee and sugary energy drinks to stay alert. Well, I discovered a healthier way to get the sustained energy I need without all the caffeine and sugar. Super Beats Heart Chews. I just unwrap a chew or two in the morning and let Super Beats Heart Chews do the rest. I feel great about what I'm doing for my health. Join me in the new way to start your day with Super Beats Heart Chews. I challenge you to try it for 30 days and give them your feedback. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, and candy for a quick pick-me-up. I've been taking Super Beats Heart Chews for years, and it's an easy and convenient on-the-go boost to your overall health and energy. Make Super Beats Chews an essential part of your busy day. To make it easy to get started, I got you up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. Hurry, it's their best offer available anywhere. That's danasbeats.com for up to 45% off. danasbeats.com. Shocking. Absolutely shocking. That they have taken away our right to have reasonable restrictions. We can have restrictions on speech. You can't yell fire in a crowded theater. But somehow there's no restrictions allowed on the Second Amendment. This is New York. And I am Brett Witterbull in for Dana on The Dana Show today. It is great to be here with you. A huge ruling coming down in these last hours uh, and a ruling that has uh, literally set uh, the progressives, the liberals, the gun grabbers hair on fire. Supreme Court uh, today, Thursday, ruled six to three that New York's regulations that make it uh, difficult to obtain a license to carry a concealed handgun were unconstitutionally restrictive. And that it would be uh, it should be easier to obtain uh, such a license. Now, this existing standard that they were considering uh, required an applicant to show, quote, proper cause for seeking a license and allowed New York officials to exercise, quote, discretion in determining whether a person had shown a good enough reason for needing to carry a firearm. They stated that. One wish to protect themselves on or their property. Well, that wasn't going to be enough for a concealed carry. And the thing we have to look at right now is the reaction to this decision from the Supreme Court. Six, three. Uh, you, you know who the, the, the dissenters were, the, the no votes. They were uh, Breyer and, 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 and Kagan and Sotomayor. And we know that uh, surprisingly, in, in some cases, uh, John Roberts was on board with the majority. The decision was penned by uh, Clarence Thomas. Um, he has been pushing uh, over the course of the last number of years uh, for more clarity uh, on uh, the Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Uh, they note uh, in this in this case, petitioners and respondents agree that ordinary law abiding citizens have a similar right to carry handguns publicly for their self-defense. We, too, agree and now hold, consistent with Heller and McDonald, that the Second and Fourteenth Amendments protect an individual's right to carry a handgun for self-defense outside the home. Clarence Thomas writing in the court's opinion. Referencing two previous gun cases because the state of New York issues pro uh, issues public carry licenses only when an applicant demonstrates a special need for self-defense. We conclude that the state's licensing regime violates the Constitution. Uh, and this has set everybody's uh, hair 
uh, a light, as I mentioned. Um, here's the uh, statement that came out from the White House from the vice uh, from the president of the United States, Joe Biden. Uh, he, he came out and said he's deeply disappointed in this decision. Uh, this is tr- troublesome and disappointing, and he's disappointed and it's troublesome. I'm deeply disappointed by the Supreme Court's ruling in New York State and Rifle uh, Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin since 1911. The state of New York has required individuals who would like to carry a concealed weapon in public to show a need to do so for the purpose of self-defense and to acquire a license. More than a century later, the United States Supreme Court has chosen to strike down New York's long-established authority to protect its citizens. This ruling contradicts both common sense and the Constitution and should deeply trouble us all. And then he, of course, goes immediately to uh, Uvalde and he goes to Buffalo and uh, goes to the need for law-abiding citizens who have committed no crime uh, to have to show that they meet a test, a threshold, to uh, be able to utilize, uh, access their Second Amendment rights. Now, look, the state of New York is an absolute cesspit and a cesspool. I love New York, but it's a, it's a sewer right now. The city itself is, is unlivable because criminals have taken over, and you have set in motion a tsunami of lawlessness, uh, wherein it's not safe to ride the subways, it's not safe to walk the streets, the police have effectively been um, uh, neutered, and criminals get to do everything that they want. Homicides abound. Chicago, Baltimore, Los Angeles, San Francisco. Homicides abound in each and every one of these cities. And the individual right to keep and bear arms is explicitly written in the Bill of Rights, granted by God, but ensured by the Constitution that we would be able to uh, practice those rights. One of the interesting notes from Justice Thomas about this decision was the regard with which people tend to look at the Second Amendment. You know, you, you got you got sort of like the big three uh, there in the Bill of Rights, right? You've got uh, you, you've got the freedom uh, of, of redress of grievances and, uh, and and freedom of speech. You've got the freedom of religion. And then you've got like the privacy statute, right? You got the privacy uh, uh, Fourth Amendment uh, that that uh, guarantees uh, abortion. And then you've got sandwiched in between all those. You've got because well, number three is, of course, the quartering of troops. But but number number two is the Second Amendment, which ensures the First Amendment, by the way, as we all know. Um, and it's the right to keep and bear arms. And Justice Thomas has said repeatedly in speeches and from the bench, um, it's treated like a second class right. And it is a primary right. We have a right to self-defense from the beginning of time. Humans have had that self-defense right. And so what we have done now in this case is set right that right to make sure that you have a right to keep their arms. Now, uh, Kathy Hochul, this is uh, cut number 15, I believe, sir, uh, Steve. Uh, Kathy Hochul comes out and says, well, at the time of the Constitution's writing, well, l- listen to what she says. And I'm sorry this dark day has come. They were supposed to go back to what was in place since 1788 when the Constitution of the United States of America was ratified. And I would like to point out to the Supreme Court justices that the only weapons at the time were muskets. She says, I'm prepared to go back to muskets. She's prepared to go back to muskets. 
She's she's prepared to go back to muskets. Uh, we can go back to 1788 or 1790, and we can go back to muskets. Here's the dirty little trick about this sort of stuff, because you're going to hear this argument from progressives, liberals, uh, and people uh, who are ill-informed on television talking about firearms. And they're going to come and say, they're going to say, well, back then there were muskets. You know, Joe Biden's been running around for the last uh, a month and a half uh, yelling and screaming about how, you know, you couldn't own a cannon back then. You couldn't buy a cannon. The reality is the musket... At the time of the uh, enshrinement of the Bill of Rights, the musket was a state-of-the-art weapon. It was state-of-the-art. In the same way that in the time of the Romans, the sword was state-of-the-art. What are you able to purchase today? A state-of-the-art rifle. But they're going to tell you that, well, I'm okay with a single-shot musket. I'm okay with a blunderbuss. I'm okay with uh, uh, those sorts of things. But not what we have today. That is an irresponsible statement by a politician who's absolutely getting it wrong. That is somebody who doesn't understand the very right of self-defense. And yet will tell you that she's protecting people. One of the observations that came out of this ruling, uh, in addition to to the couple that I have uh, uh, given you, is this notion that, well, if you have a, a right, to self-defense, if you have a right to protect yourself, if you have a right to keep and bear arms, that doesn't mean uh, just uh, keeping it in your vehicle, just keeping it for hunting purposes, uh, just doing it for, for, for this or that. It's actually carrying it on your person. And while there were references in the dissents to what's gone on in Uvalde and what's gone on uh, in Buffalo, uh, one thing is abundantly clear. Had a multitude of people in Buffalo or in Uvalde been carrying a firearm as a means and a method of self-defense, you may have had a different outcome. Now, we can't know what that outcome would be, but we can know with certitude that a fully disarmed population facing a criminal who cares not for the statutes uh, to, uh, to, to obey the laws is going to always be vulnerable. Always be vulnerable. I, uh, once upon a time, was broadcasting out of, out of San Diego, and uh, San Diego is a, is a very, very thin sliver of conservative uh, on the coast of the state of, of California. And there was a, a sheriff uh, in charge of the permitting of people who sought to uh, get concealed carry permits. And he had a very weird set of standards to uh, ensure that you would be allowed to get and to keep and bear arms uh, in, in his jurisdiction to carry. Um, you, you had to... Uh, you had to turn over to the sheriff's department uh, a year of bank records so they could look at your deposits and how much money you were carrying. And about the only way they would greenlight you was on a one-year basis if you were somebody who was handling uh, uh, diamonds or gold or carrying cash to do deposits. You know, you're running a food truck, you're running a business that after hours you have to make deposits. In those cases, they would let you go and get your concealed carry permit. But if you were just somebody who wanted to protect your domicile, if you were somebody who wanted to protect your family, somebody else's family, protect yourself out on the, on, on the mean streets of the cities, the answer was always going to be no. You, you don't have to go and get permission to express your opinion. I understand, quote, you can't yell fire in a crowded theater. Sure, true. But, but, you don't 
have to go and stand before a bureaucrat who's going to make a capricious and arbitrary decision about whether or not you get to practice your First Amendment rights. You don't have to go in front of a uh, of an arbitrary and capricious bureaucrat and determine whether or not you get to uh, be secure in your person and in your property in your home. Uh, you, you don't have to go to a bureaucrat and get permission uh, to, to go to church. Well, unless Anthony Fauci's ordered another lockdown. But you get what I'm saying here. For some reason, the, the Second Amendment becomes this thing that you have to go into a mother may I to uh, Merrick Garland or Joe Biden or crazy Kathy Hochul. In fact, I think Kathy Hochul was so deranged in that press conference just after the decision came out. I'm nominating her for the first red flag investigation in the Empire State in New York. I am Brett Witterbull. It is The Dana Show. If you can't take the heat, get out of your old leisure wear. The only way to play it cool this summer is in brand new Tommy Johns. When you wear Tommy John, you're that much cooler, so you can do everything better, thanks to breathable, lightweight fabric with four times the stretch of competing brands. And with dozens of comfort innovations, Tommy John makes you look super hot while feeling super cool, from lounging at home to summertime fun. And that's why Tommy John doesn't have customers, they have fanatics. With over 17 million pairs sold, people love Tommy John underwear and loungewear. Tommy John fanatics call the cool cotton wireless bra, quote, super comfy and breathable, end quote, and rave, quote, extremely comfortable. I don't feel the need to liberate myself the minute I get home, end quote. I love wearing my Tommy John Henley because I like how it feels. You should get Tommy John, too. Plus, you're always covered with their best pair you'll ever wear or it's free guarantee. Shop TommyJohn.com slash Dana now for 20% off your first order. Get 20% off at TommyJohn.com slash Dana. That's TommyJohn.com slash Dana. See site for details. Listen to The Dana Show live on the Odyssey app. Weekdays, noon to 3 p.m. Eastern Time. I am Brett Witterbull. It is The Dana Show. I love the talking heads. Like, top top three favorite band of all time for me. Uh, it is it is great to be here today because we are winning. Uh, Americans are winning at an amazing clip, an amazing rate. If you are just tuning in, uh, congratulations. Your Second Amendment rights uh, were upheld and protected today, especially if you live in... Uh, in liberal occupied territory, places like New York, where the case coming out of New York State uh, raised the issue as to whether or not uh, you could have a concealed carry permit or you had to show proof as to why you needed a concealed carry permit. Uh, the Supreme Court justices led by the conservative wing of the uh, of the court saying, absolutely, you have a right to keep and bear arms. Uh, they don't have the right. They don't have the power to come to you and tell you that you've got to prove additional thresholds. Uh, your life is in danger. You're scared. You're frightened. You don't have to do any of that sort of stuff uh, when it comes to you uh, you having to prove why you need to defend yourself. And that's a big win. I remember, I'm old enough to remember when once upon a time, former President Trump uh, declared, uh, you are going to be winning so much that you are actually going to get sick of winning. I mean, you're talking about a big win here today, folks. This is a generational win. This is a generational loss for the Hokels. The Cuomos, the Newsoms, uh, those those horrible sad sack tyrants, uh, like in the city of Chicago with Lori Lightweight, and 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 the city of Baltimore where people can now uh, begin to protect themselves. This is a big day. This will be a day people will point to many many years from now. And don't forget which party, which party initiated 
uh, the, the restrictions on concealed carry. It was the Democrat Party. We will take a deeper dive when we get uh, across the bottom of the hour on the history of all of this nonsense. It's the Democratic Party that wanted to disarm African-Americans. It was the Democratic Party that didn't want black people, people of color, to protect themselves and their families. And so they put in onerous, onerous restrictions on those individuals who had the same rights that you and I do, guaranteed by the Constitution. Wow, it's interesting, right? Poll taxes, literacy tests. It's always uh, the Democrat Party that does that. We just celebrated Juneteenth on Monday. I mean, the the commemoration was actually on Sunday, but America celebrated Juneteenth on on Monday, wherein uh, the arguably the greatest Republican president in human history uh, was uh, able to set things right and had his life taken by an armed Democrat at Ford's Theater. Now, isn't that something? Isn't that something? We'll take a, a, a deeper dive in that regard. But you know what? I think it's time for a quick five. And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. Now, as you well know, the Supreme Court throws out New York's handgun law. That's what CNN calls it. What they actually do is they affirm the idea that you're going to be uh, carrying the right to keep and bear arms to protect yourself without asking for permission. The Taliban is calling for aid after an earthquake kills a thousand in Afghanistan. Trump and McCarthy tension. Well, that is still climbing as January 6th hearings are drawing out. We'll get an update on that later on. The Supreme Court shields police from lawsuits over Miranda and guess what? But if you've got student loan debt, the education department has agreed in the dark of night to cancel $6 billion in debt for some 200,000 student loan borrowers. I guess all we can say is, you're welcome. I'm Brett Witterbull. You're listening to The Dana Show. Free speech, religious liberty, the Second Amendment. Across the country, your constitutional rights are under constant attack, and it's only getting worse by the day, which is why I'm proud to support Patriot Mobile. They're not just America's only Christian conservative cell phone provider. They're one of the few companies fighting back. They offer the same nationwide coverage as the major carriers, so you get the same great service, plus the peace of mind that your money is combating the left's attempt to silence you. Patriot Mobile has plans to fit any budget and their 100% U.S.-based customer support team provides exceptional customer service. Patriot Mobile shares your values and supports organizations fighting for religious freedom, constitutional rights, sanctity of life, our veteran and first responder heroes. Visit PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT and get free activation with offer code Dana. Veterans and first responders save even more, so switch today. Between the left, the media, and rhinos, we need to stick together. PatriotMobile.com slash Dana or call 972-PATRIOT. The chance for nuclear war increases every day that the war in Ukraine continues. I'm Bill Walton. On the latest edition of The Bill Walton Show, national security expert Brandon Weikert and I also discuss how China is weaker than Russia in one key area, why Taiwan's defenses are dangerously weak, and how Joe Biden wants to make the same mistake with Iran that we did with China. Follow The Bill Walton Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Of all your favorite talk hosts, one of these is not like the others. The Dana Show. After Sandy Hook, nothing happened. And when you talk to the families who've been working on this for so long, 
they understand how difficult this has been, how disappointing this has been. So to start with something that's going to save lives, even if a particular provision wouldn't have saved their own baby's lives, that is an act of love and generosity of spirit that you hear from the families of those that have lost loved ones. That's why we're moving ahead. And I think it actually paves the way in the future to look at some of these other provisions. Uh, that would be Amy Klobuchar, the senator from uh, Minnesota, who I think came in. I'm, I'm trying to review the uh, the final AP rankings. 17th in the uh, Democrat sweepstakes uh, to become the president of the United States, at least the nominee nominee of the uh, president of the United States. Uh, Amy Klobuchar, who says, ah, look, uh, we're, we're doing great things with uh, gun control. They're at the United States Senate. By the way, did you see? I mean, it's incredible to watch how uh, quickly Cornyn and McConnell worked to sell out pretty much everybody in the United States uh, with with these uh, red flag rules, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Welcome. It is the Dana Show. I am Brett Witterbull. Great to be here. Let's talk about the history of concealed carry in the United States, shall we? Because uh, fundamentally, the case that was decided today wasn't decided today, but certainly the opinion was released today, uh, struck down the efforts by the state of New York, much to the chagrin of uh, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., uh, to uh, go out and force citizens in the state of new york to prove why it was they needed a concealed carry permit so you must tell us why you want this thing now forget the fact that uh uh uh, rap moguls sports figures very very high profile uh talk show hosts that many of you are familiar with that uh, reside in the Empire State uh, at this time, why, why those people were able to and are able to uh, acquire concealed carry permits because they were able to show that, you know, they were under threat and under danger, under duress, whatever it was. But you just being a workaday sort of person, you were not worthy enough. Your family not worthy enough. Well, I mean, you could have a gun in your house, perhaps, if you ask the right people, but you you couldn't have it on your hip as you went out to your car to start it up on a cold morning. And suddenly found yourself the victim of a carjacking in uh, Eric Adams and uh, Kathy Hochul's uh, hellscape. But the Second Amendment to the United States Constitution does guarantee the right to keep and bear arms. The first big case on this, obviously, District of Columbia versus Heller, 2008, Supreme Court ruled that there was an individual right to own arms for the defense of oneself. It just reaffirmed what was in the uh, in, in the Constitution. But it was a much darker period of time in in American history when the Democratic Party really went to town on the right to keep and bear arms, especially as it related to African-Americans. During Reconstruction, you had several states, especially those states controlled by the Democrats, southern states, uh, passing laws banning concealed carry they were often aimed at disarming african-americans and though they were not uh, explicitly saying so because of the 14th amendment uh, these were rules that would not be enforced against whites so we have in its earliest gestational period um, we had racism at the heart of denying people the right to keep and bear arms Now, look at the places that have the most restrictive laws when it comes to self-defense. Chicago, anybody? New York City? Washington, D.C.? 
Now, you'd be hard-pressed to find places that have higher rates of crime and murder than those jurisdictions. Uh, Rivers Buford was an associate justice of the Florida Supreme Court, said that uh, Florida law banning concealed carry, the original act of 1893, was passed for the purpose of disarming the Negro laborers, he wrote in the opinion, and to give the white citizens in sparsely settled areas a better feeling of security. Now, the statute was never intended to be applied to the white population, and in practice has never so been applied. So, you, you, you had that decision coming about. Now, fast forward just uh, a decade later, the state of New York passing the Sullivan Act in 1911, requiring a license to possess a concealable firearm. Boy, I remember, I remember all those mob wars that were taking place uh, in, the, uh, in the 1920s and 30s in New York City. Boy, it's a good thing all those mobsters, those Italian and Sicilian mobsters, were uh, following the Sullivan Act. It's a good thing that, that, that they weren't... Oh, no, they weren't. They were, they were flouting. They were flouting the law. Well, the modern wave of concealed carry legislation and licensing actually starts in Georgia, of all places, in 1976 when the Georgia legislature passes a bill introduced by Lieutenant Governor Zell Miller, uh, which became the model for later laws. You know, it, it, it's, it's actually an incredible thing to think about. Uh, you, you've got this sort of creeping restriction on your, one of your most fundamental rights, and everybody just says it's okay. And what do you then have? You have Democrats like Amy Klobuchar, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., Crazy Gavin Newsom, uh, uh, Cuomo, both Cuomos, all three Cuomos, uh, Hochul, etc. And these are all the folks that are working and agitating as hard as they can against your Second Amendment rights, all the while, all the while protecting, harboring, Loving, kissing, and hugging the most dangerous, vicious, murderous criminals that America has ever produced. Think about that logic. Got to tell the cops, you can't do stop and frisk, but they got to tell John Q. or Jane Q. public that you're not allowed to concealed carry. How does that make any sense? It's almost like you have to be mentally ill to understand that logic. It makes no sense. Body count, body count is something that has been politicized for the better part of the last 40 years. And yet, the very progressive liberals who tell you that you want to keep the guns out of the hands of dangerous people are the very people who are on this day purchasing tickets to go watch john hinckley jr who tried to murder president reagan do concerts america won today because america is still secure in its personage the people in this country have a right to keep and bear arms and and while you you ask your average january 6th worshiping maniac a uh, lunatic like an Adam Schiff or a Benny Thompson or, or, or now a Liz Cheney or a Kinzinger. You ask any of them about the right to keep and bear arms and, and you're going to 
get told that, well, that's an antiquated notion from another time wherein uh, we were fighting for the very freedom of our uh, of, of our republic. And, and it was really about the militias because there was no set in in place uh, permanent standing army. And as Joe Biden likes to throw on all the time, couldn't buy a cannon back then. It's Joe Biden who gave the worst advice I have ever heard when it comes to self-defense. He said repeatedly on the campaign trail and at public events that he told Jill Biden that if somebody comes in and tries to uh, break into the house that they're living in, she's to go in the closet, get a shotgun, do two pumps and fire it out into the into the air in front of the house. Really? Joe Biden? I mean, does he not understand that what goes up must come down? Does Joe Biden not understand that you can't direct people in neighborhoods and communities to get out there, do two pumps and fire uh, to, to make the bad guys go away? I mean, I understand that Hunter doesn't exactly have the greatest hygiene gun or otherwise, but the fact of the matter is, who the heck gives that kind of advice in a, in a, in a, in a neighborhood? These are not serious people, and they don't understand the stakes, because after being in Washington, D.C. and that bubble for 50 years, Joe Biden knows nothing of feeling unsafe as you ride a subway or drive home late at night from your job or drive to your job early in the morning, stopping at an intersection, waiting for that red light to turn, and hoping that someone isn't going to come and run up on your vehicle, try to uh, carjack you, try to assault you, or try to kill you. 99% of these progressives and liberals that are in Washington, D.C. are elite and effete, and they do not understand the sort of challenges that are out there. I mentioned just a moment ago the city of Chicago, and how violent it is. We all know uh, what a dangerous place that city is, and we know by reputation what a once great city it had been in American history. There's a name you should know, Ken Griffin. Ken Griffin. He runs one of the biggest, most powerful um, hedge funds. It's called Citadel. It's based in Chicago. Chicago has become such an untenable place to live. Ken Griffin, who is the richest man in Illinois, is now taking his family and his billions of dollars and his companies, companies, and leaving Chicago. Making the announcement today in a memo sent to employees, Griffin said the headquarters of his Citadel hedge fund and his trading firm, Citadel Securities, is moving to Miami. What he calls a vibrant, growing metropolis that embodies the American dream. Now, the move is expected to take several years. The firms have more than a thousand employees in Chicago. And while some of them may be expected to remain, how many is unknown. Griffin's announcement said he has moved his family to Miami. He offered no parting shots at Chicago or Illinois, but has been unsparing in his comments about surging downtown area crime and local tax and regulatory policies. He's made the threat for months. By the way, he's got a net worth estimated by Forbes at $25 billion. And he's been Chicago's leading philanthropist 
donating $500 million to local causes with plans to give more money. He's also noted for his heavy spending on politicians. He dumped $50 million into the campaign of Richard Irvin running for the Republican primary for governor, but faring poorly in a recent Sun-Times poll. This man has telegraphed at every turn that he's going to leave the city of Chicago and take that tax base with him because the city is dying. What you had happen today at the Supreme Court ensures that as these cities fail under the weight of the criminals that have taken control, both in politics and in the private sector, at least the citizenry can defend itself. I'm Brett Witterbull. You're listening to The Dana Show. It's getting hot outside, mostly from all the grills firing up. Summer grilling is upon us, and if you're looking for the perfect cuts to put on your grill this year, look no further than Good Ranchers. Good Ranchers is the place to get 100% American meat this summer. I love how easy it is to get all my favorite cuts of beef, chicken, and even seafood shipped right to my door. With meat prices higher than ever, Good Ranchers is giving you free steaks. That's right, free steaks. So right now, get two free 18-ounce prime center cut ribeyes with my code Dana. That's a $100 offer free to you. Visit GoodRanchers.com slash Dana for over two pounds of free ribeye steaks added to your order at no cost to you. This is a limited time deal, so don't miss out on your free 18 ounce prime center cut ribeyes because I promise you they're not going to be around for long. Visit GoodRanchers.com slash Dana and use code Dana. That's GoodRanchers.com slash Dana, code Dana. Good Ranchers, American meat delivered. Your one-stop shop for the information you need to fight back. If you're going to have to learn stuff, you might as well enjoy it. The Dana Show. Airline pilots are forced to retire age 65. Federal law enforcement officers, 57. Judges here in South Carolina, 72. What? Have you ever noticed that politicians hardly ever retire? Our country and our state are being run by a geriatric oligarchy. The folks who are making a career out of politics are making a mess of our country. That's why it's time to put term limits and age limits on politicians. Oh, that is Joe Cunningham. By the way, I'm Brett Witterbull. It is The Dana Show. Joe Cunningham is a South Carolina Democrat gubernatorial nominee um, and is proposing an age limit, age 72, for state politicians in the state of South Carolina. Now, Full disclosure, I happen to reside in the state of, Car- of South Carolina, though I host the afternoon drive show on WBT in North Carolina in Charlotte. Uh, one of the things that's interesting about this is the guy he's going against, Henry McMaster. Henry McMaster is the governor, the Republican governor of the uh, state of South Carolina. And uh, he is uh, 75 years old. And I'm telling you right now, I'll take him all day, every day over Joe Cunningham. First of all, Joe, Joe Cunningham is is a lot like uh, uh, old John Edwards uh, back back when he was running around trying to uh, get elected to the presidency of the United States uh, and, 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 and doing those sorts of things he was doing. I'm not saying that Joe Cunningham is a philanderer, but I'm saying, you know, he's sort of an empty suit in that regard. I'm at a tough crossroads, though, because I support the notion of age limits for people running for office. I genuinely do. I think uh, uh, 72 is probably an okay number, but this guy's barking up the wrong tree. Joe Cunningham is another one of these sort of seersucker suit-wearing, uh, country-clubbing, 
uh, pretty boys that thinks he's got all the answers. Henry McMaster was one of the secret weapons that we saw in this country during the days of the lockdowns. North Carolina has an atrocious governor named Roy Cooper. He is horrible. He's a terrible governor who believed that he should take a knee and bow and pray at the altar of lockdowns, shutdowns, all that sort of stuff. McMaster told uh, those people who wanted to lock the state of South Carolina down to go pound sand. And oh, by the way, once upon a time, he was a professional musician who played in Alabama. No, not, not, not the state, actual band. He was actually in Alabama. McMaster was a guy who basically told the progressive liberals scattered around this country to stick it in their cap. That's it. It's absolutely incredible. So I'm good with the age limits, but I want age limits on Pelosi. I want age limits on Schumer and McConnell. I want age limits on Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. I want qualification limits on Kamala Harris. Uh, this is what I want happening at the federal level. But man, you better keep your hands off a of hammer and Hank McMaster because that guy, that guy defended freedom from the jump from the moment you had the lockdowns to the moment they were lifted. And oh, by the way, while we're at it, Joe Cunningham, you're not going to get elected to the governorship. It's not going to happen. You have not yet figured out a way to Californicate the state of South Carolina. That's one hour down, two more straight ahead to go. I'm Brett Witterbull. You're listening to The Danish. Old routines die hard, like those multiple cups of coffee and sugary energy drinks to stay alert. Well, I discovered a healthier way to get the sustained energy I need without all the caffeine and sugar. Super Beats Heart Chews. I just unwrap a chew or two in the morning and let Super Beats Heart Chews do the rest. I feel great about what I'm doing for my health. Join me in the new way to start your day with Super Beats Heart Chews. I challenge you to try it for 30 days and give them your feedback. No more afternoon coffees, energy drinks, and candy for a quick pick-me-up. I've been taking Super Beats Heart Chews for years, and it's an easy and convenient on-the-go boost to your overall health and energy. Make Super Beats Chews an essential part of your busy day. To make it easy to get started, I got you up to 45% off plus free shipping at danasbeats.com. Hurry, it's their best offer available anywhere. That's danasbeats.com for up to 45% off. danasbeats.com. So yes, the NRA is opposed to this bill, and there are going to be somewhere between 15 and 20 Republican senators that are going to vote for it, which I think um, sort of paves the way for even more progress in the future now that we have broken this logjam. Um, that's, that's maybe the, the legacy of the, of the bill in the long run. Connecticut Senator uh, Chris Murphy, who has really uh, spearheaded this uh, legislation that came out of the Senate in the last 48 hours. Uh, welcome to The Dana Show. I am Brett Witterbull. It is a big day here on the program because uh, we are digesting and looking at and uh, considering this decision coming down out of uh, the state of New York. Uh, that's actually out of the Supreme Court, but involving the state of New York's uh, regulations on whether or not you can have a concealed carry permit without showing uh, a good reason to have one. And what's so interesting about what it is that we're seeing take place uh, with these decisions that are coming down, the big knock that you have heard from the progressive left, this is sort of a 
foot uh, viewpoint. But the big knock that you've heard from the left about the Supreme Court is how they are destroying individual liberties, destroying individual rights. They're not respecting the individual's rights. And what people have been making that argument uh, as as justification for is the presumed decision, the assumed decision, the leaked decision that came out of the Supreme Court almost two months ago uh, about the the Dobbs case, essentially the Roe versus Wade case. And so what you've had is the the, the gnashing of teeth and the rending of, of garments and people yelling and screaming that individual liberties have never been in more jeopardy than right now. It's actually not the case. This is a big, it's a big time. It's a big deal right now. When you consider uh, just two of the decisions that came down this week, two of them, the first one coming out of Maine that uh, ensured that you could get access to public dollars if you wanted to send your, your child to a school that wasn't just the local public school controlled by the union, but was a, a school that might have had with it a religious identity uh, or a particular uh, 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 ethos or something like that, right? So if you wanted to send uh, your, your child uh, to, uh, to a, a, a Jewish school, a Catholic school, an evangelical Christian school, a Muslim school, um, you, you had that option because the Supreme Court found that to prohibit those institutions from receiving uh, federal dollars or public dollars is to discriminate on the basis of religion. And that's a big, empowering move for people's civil liberties. You, uh, you go to the other end of the equation, the decision that comes out today, and the Supreme Court spoke six to three. I mean, that's a big decision. Roberts was in as part of the majority and says, no, you cannot put a burden on individuals seeking uh, concealed carry. You cannot go to a person and say, you must prove to us that you need concealed carry. And, and, it, and it is totally consistent with the Bill of Rights to make that argument. First of all, the Second Amendment is enshrined as an individual right. We learned that in Heller. Second of all, you don't ever have to go and pass a test to get free speech. You don't have to pass a test for redress of grievances. You don't have to pass a test to, to worship uh, in your faith tradition or not worship in a faith tradition. You don't have to justify that to some bureaucrat. You know, that's that's the thing. So when you hear people talk about the tyranny of the conservatives and the well, no, they're actually acting very much in the in the style of uh, people protecting your civil rights as a person. Walter Williams uh, famously said uh, the smallest, the smallest minority is the individual. And when you say, oh, what's the smallest minority? People try to think of ethnic groups, religious groups, sexual identity, things like that. No, the smallest minority is the individual because you can trample on the individual's rights. You could destroy the individual's rights. And who is to speak for them? You know, we hear all this, this noise, this nonsense from these uh, uh, talking heads on cable channels. And they'll say, oh, democracy is at risk. Our democracy is at stake. We're going to lose our democracy, our democracy. We have a constitutional republic. We elect representatives to represent our interests in the Congress, in the Senate, uh, in your state legislatures, in your state houses, in your state senates. 
we have people that represent the minority to protect the minority. And that smallest minority is the individual who goes in and says, Hi, my name is Brett Witterbull. I want a concealed carry permit. Well, why do you want a concealed carry permit? Why do you need a concealed carry permit? I, I, I don't have to tell you why I want or need one. I'm seeking a concealed carry permit. Well, you carried a lot of money. Is someone trying to kill you? Are you trying to... What, what, test, what, test, what test exists in the Constitution uh, before which you're protected? What's the test in the 14th Amendment? What's the test in the 10th Amendment? What's the test in the 8th Amendment? What are these tests that I have to meet as an individual? But they'll tell you that the democracy is at risk. Democracy. We don't have a democracy. We have democratic institutions, little d. We vote. We vote our conscience. We vote our beliefs uh, to choose this person or that person for a position. In that much, you do have a democratic tradition. But we'd, we're a constitutional republic. A, a, a democracy that they always love to throw around, especially the earlier in the day it is on MSNBC, they say democracy a lot. Democracy, democracy. And what they'll never tell you is that democracy is three wolves sitting around a table with a lamb debating what's for dinner. That, that's, that's a democracy, right? Because, hey, the numbers rule. The numbers rule. Well, if we're going to follow their model, then the numbers rule. Six to three, I get to get a concealed carry permit. I don't have to prove to Sh Sheriff uh, Foghorn, Leghorn, or anybody else, I get my concealed carry permit. And Kathy Hochul can go nuts and yell and scream and lament and, and be angry. And guess what? Kathy Hochul doesn't have to have a concealed carry permit because she has state troopers protecting her. Now, isn't that nice? She's not going to get carjacked going home at night to her millionaire husband who's doing quite well. Thank you very much. But you're going to go home late at night. I'm going to go home late at night. The individual liberties are, are being protected. Now, I can already hear the objections coming because we're going to get the decision in the Dobbs case. It'll either come tomorrow or one day next week. And the, 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 the gnashing of teeth and the rending of garments will start all over again. But at the end of the day, what are they doing? If this thing ends up being decided in the way in which it, it appears it's going to be decided and it goes back to the states, abortion is not illegal. Abortion is not outlawed. Supreme Court doesn't outlaw abortion. Supreme Court sends it back to the states. And even the most progressive wacko liberals should be excited that it's going back to the state. Why? Do you know why it's important that it goes back to the state? Because if you were to enact a nationwide ban on abortion, you would have to go and drive yourself to Washington, D.C. and go try to get FaceTime with chuck schumer or josh hawley or mtg or, or 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 one of the members of the squad you're not going to get FaceTime with them you're not going to be able to persuade them to your side but you would have a very good likelihood of going to your state capital and lobbying your state legislatures your state legislators it's a lot easier to get something done at the city council than it is to go to dc it's a lot easier to get something done at the at the state level than it is at the federal level, right? So the most responsive 
institution when it comes to abortion rights or abortion uh, laws or restrictions is going to be the states. You have the freedom of movement. If you decide, well, this state is too restrictive on abortion, I'm going to go to California. I'm going to go to New York. I'm going to go to Chicago. Then you can go to a place that has a much more receptive uh, version of abortion of abortion rights. And I know what the objection is going to be because I heard Amy Klobuchar talk about this uh, a couple of months ago. She says, the rights of a woman in Minnesota should be the same as the rights of a woman in Texas. But she's telling you the people in Minnesota's standard ought to apply to the people in the state of Texas. If you want that to be the case, then what Amy Klobuchar should do is introduce an amendment to the Constitution. She can do it. She's a senator and say, we want to have a constitutional amendment enshrining abortion as a medical option for people in the United States of America. That everybody can vote on it. You can, you can, you can legislate it and you can make that part of the Constitution. You have a way to do that. But the Supreme Court doesn't do that. And the Supreme Court overstepped when they did the decision in Roe versus Wade 45, 50 years ago. That's the dirty little secret. I mean, they use language in that decision. Just go, go and read the Roe versus Wade decision. They, they, they use the language that they take right from the, uh, the original decision on contraception that, that, that references the seeing, uh, uh, the, the right to privacy on abortion in the penumbra of the, uh, of, of the decision, uh, out of uh, Griswold versus Connecticut. And it's just a fancy way of saying, well, we see the right to abortion sort of in the shadow of the right to contraception and and the right to privacy you could amend the constitution and not see it in the shadow you can see it out there in the bright light of day by enshrining it as part of the amendments to the constitution but that's very hard brett it's impossible it's not impossible it's not impossible it just takes work it just takes convincing but one thing that you're not going to get to do is confiscate our rights guaranteed by the Constitution. That's a hugely important lesson, ladies and gentlemen. This is a big win today in Washington, D.C. The system worked. The individual right to keep and bear arms with a concealed carry has been protected. You're listening to The Dana Show. I'm Brett Werbel. If you're like me, you're growing more and more concerned about the future. Inflation is at its highest level in 40 years. Interest rates are skyrocketing, and market experts not only predict a recession, but they're using terms like, quote, economic hurricane and unprecedented. So if you want to protect your future, do what I did. Call the only precious metal dealers that I trust, American Hartford Gold. American Hartford Gold can show you how to protect your savings and retirement accounts by diversifying your portfolio with physical gold and silver. So get started with just one short phone call and they'll have physical gold and silver delivered right to your door or inside your IRA or 401k. They're the highest rated firm in the country with an A-plus rating from the Better Business Bureau and thousands of satisfied clients. Call right now and you'll receive up to $1,500 of free silver on your first qualifying order. Don't wait. Call 866-887-1188. That's 866-887-1188. Or text DANA to 9 Nine nine eight eight nine nine. Protect your future with American Hartford Gold. 866-887-1188 or text Dana to 998899. 
Red Meat, Black Coffee, Truth Telling, The Dana Show. And I am Brett Witterbull. It is The Dana Show. And ladies and gentlemen, Dana Lash joining us uh, now on the line. Dana, welcome to your show. Brett, thank you so much for holding down the fort. God love you. Appreciate what you're doing. If it wasn't for you, I wouldn't be able to get a few days away in sun-soaked Exumas with my family. I'm calling you live. God bless technology. From Katie's Restaurant and Bar here in Farmer's Key, where we stopped off to swim with some turtles, and I had nice. a nice gentleman fill my Rambler, my Patriot Mobile Rambler with rum punch, and uh, went and got some conch salad. But I am so excited about the New York rifle and pistol case, the the opinion that was authored by, by Justice Thomas this morning. I read it uh, before we took off, uh, read the opinion. I was very excited about this because, as you know, and Brett, I know you've talked about this, where you had the Heller case, which defines... You know, to keep and to bear. Heller underscored to keep. This case is to bear. This is what is underscoring that portion of the Second Amendment. And I'm, I'm super stoked that it, that it came out the way that it did. Uh, I was very pleased with the opinion. I've been following it here from the Bahamas. So uh, very excited about it, as I'm sure everyone else is. Now, that doesn't mean, obviously, that, you know, we, that our problems are over. I know New York is already trying to come out with some new laws. And then, of course, we have the Senate gun control package. So a lot of stuff in the works still. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, Kathy Hochul went on a full meltdown uh, earlier today saying, you know, back in the back in the old days, they had muskets. I'd like to go back to muskets. These people are coming apart at the seams, Dana. They are. And to act like that, that our rights are somehow anachronistic or that the Second Amendment is anachronistic. I mean, I've talked about this in my two books. You know, the founders were well aware of, you know, of, of RPM. They were well aware of full auto, the belt and gun, the puckle gun. They were well aware of the technology and progression with rifling, with Kentucky guns. I mean, we all knew this. It's one of the things that gave us the advantage over the British during the War of Independence. And so the idea that, you know, we should be limited to smoothbore muskets is like saying that free speech written should be limited to just parchment and quill. It's, it's stupid. It's the principle of it. It's, it's just the dumbification of the Bill of Rights. And I'm, I'm happy that, it, that, it, that it, it ended the way it did, that the opinion was the way it was. I'm so happy that Cla- and Clarence Thomas gave it a shellacking. Oh. I was reading his opinion. Brett, I had to stop. <laughs> I stopped and I was like, oh, my gosh. Chris, I yelled at my husband. I'm like, Justice Thomas is bending him over the barrel here. Listen to this. This is what I do on vacation. I drink a, a Patriot Mobile Rambler full of uh, rum punch, and I read uh, Supreme Court opinions. Hey, listen, that's great. What a way to celebrate. By the way, it's Clarence Thomas's birthday today, too. So what a way to give him, give him in America a present. We need to put, we need to put his visage up there on uh, Mount Rushmore with the rest of the great. Thomas, I know he's not a president. But I'll, I tell you what, he's done a lot for liberty, and he's been faithful to the Constitution. God bless Clarence Thomas. Amen. Let me ask you one last question real quick, because uh, I know you, you want to get back to, uh, sure. to, to vacate. But it's this. Uh, uh, do you think this uh, puts, a road, uh, puts a bump in the road for this move that Cornyn's trying to pull with, the, uh, with, with this new gun regulation? I, I do in a way because, I mean, I think it affects the what they're trying to do with the 18 to 21. The 18 yep. to 21, and I, I've had some friends say, Dana, that sunsets, you know, did you read, you know, the language? I did read it, but still, the, the problem isn't that it sunsets. The problem is that you are allowing access for the federal government to micromanage natural rights. And so to, to, to try to defend a natural right is like, you know, proving a negative. I mean, it's, it's, it's a natural right. It is what it is. So I completely understand. I, I understand their point, but I still think it's wrong. I disagree with it. So as it relates to this opinion, 
Uh, I think it really it gives a lot of momentum, obviously, to the people that are arguing against this this compromise yep. that the Senate's trying to deliver. So I'm just uh, we'll we'll wait and see. I know I'll be following it big, up still while down here, and then when I get back, a big win. God bless you, Dana Lash. Enjoy it. You earned it, and we'll we'll talk again soon. Tennessee Senator Marsha Blackburn joins me to discuss her efforts to protect our military from the left's woke agenda and the effort to separate parents from children. I'm Sarah Carter on the latest Sarah Carter Show. Senator Blackburn also explains how our skyrocketing energy costs could soon lead to food shortages, all because President Biden refuses to acknowledge reality. Join us. Follow the Sarah Carter Show at Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shooting down woke culture, one crazy headline at a time. It's the Dana Show. And I am Brett Witterbull. Thank you so much for uh, spending time with us. It was so great to catch up with Dana in that last segment, uh, getting her thoughts on this decision coming out of the Supreme Court earlier today uh, on the uh, on the New York State regulations for uh, your right to keep and bear arms. A huge, huge day here on the Dana show. Uh, a lot of other stuff is moving though as well. Uh, the story involving uh, your gas prices and uh, the inept uh, ability of this president to get anything done because he will not do what will actually work uh, continues uh, afoot here. Uh, let me uh, let me hearken back to uh, yesterday if I can. And, uh, Stephen, I want to do cuts uh, eight and nine here. Um, yesterday, you saw this big presentation by the president of the United States. In fact, we, we, we took the uh, in the third hour, we took the uh, the statement that he was making about the suspension of the gas tax uh, for the next three months and how that's going to help you and make you feel better. Well, uh, Biden said something yesterday that I thought was was not just dishonest, potentially dangerous. And it was him calling out gas station owners. Cut number eight. To the companies running gas stations and setting those prices at the pump. This is a time of war, global peril, Ukraine. These are not normal times. Bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you are paying for the product. Do it now. Do it today. Your customers, the American people, they need relief now. Now, can you imagine being a mom or a pop shop uh, running a gas station? You got some pumps outside. Maybe you got a little small grill for lunch uh, there inside uh, that gas station. And you're selling, you know, your odds and ends and things like that. Now, can, can you imagine the pressure that now goes on those people, those individuals who are running these very small businesses on very tight margins? And, and you've got the president of the United States pointing to those people who are running that gas station or the other gas station and saying, hey, you better drop those prices or else. That's that's unconscionable. It's unconscionable. You're not hearing the president say, uh, you restaurants out there, you better charge less for the chicken wings. Uh, the fast food place, you better choose, you better charge less for the hamburger. And I don't want to see him do that. That's really not the president's prerogative to go and start targeting small businesses. You know what he did? He set in motion um, something that I think we're going to see that's ugly. What you're seeing with these protests involving 
the Jane's Revenge and and Ruth sent us and these protests and this disorder that's out there on the streets. I think you're going to start seeing people at gas stations get targeted because the president told them to go do it. That's not right. Now, he also commented uh, about the restriction of domestic oil production. This is cut number nine. All my Republican friends claim we're not producing enough oil and I'm limiting oil production. Quite frankly, that's nonsense. It's nonsense. Uh, he's not limiting uh, oil production, but you are talking it down. You're talking it down. You're saying uh, that we're in a transition away from gas and oil. You can't put that message out. You can't say, I'm getting sober, but I'm still drinking. You can't say we're in a transition away from gasoline, but uh, we need you to continue to pump the gasoline that's coming out. And the worst thing he's done is blame Putin because the American people understand that once upon a time you had affordable gasoline and that once upon a time was just before Joe Biden took over as the president of the United States in 2021. Gas was available. It was plentiful. Yes, we were in lockdowns. Yes, the economy had slowed. All of that is true. But we didn't have $5 gas. We didn't have $5 gas. Now we have $5 gas. When you're the president of the United States, what you say and what you don't say can equally affect the market. Now, if I am a CEO of an oil company, or I own a whole bunch of different uh, gas stations around the country. I'm not going to play ball with this guy at all. What he fails to understand is this. When you tell these energy companies that you're a target, you tell those energy companies that they need to maybe change the way they're doing business. When did you first find out that jewel cigarettes or vaping as pens and and uh, jewel products were going to be outlawed when did you first hear that probably in the last 48 hours did you see that as part of a congressional hearing did you see that as part of a conversation point did you hear that as as an issue that was out on the campaign trail do you remember at any point joe biden declaring he was going to get rid of menthol cigarettes and was going to get rid of jewel you didn't hear him say that it's because what you have happening in Washington, D.C. right now, and specifically at the White House, is you have presidency by committee. I don't believe that Joe Biden is in charge of any of these policies. I don't believe he has the capacity to manage all of these policies at the same time. And no doubt, most presidents do have to delegate some responsibilities, and then they make the ultimate final decision on a policy here or a policy there. They're not they're not going through every single department coming up with priorities every single day. It would be impossible. But what you have happening right now at that White House looks a whole lot more like a gang of four than it does to a traditional presidency. You, you have Ron Klain, who's the White House chief of staff. You have Jill Biden, who tells Joe when he can't talk to the press anymore and must get on the plane or the helicopter to go to Rehoboth Beach, Delaware, to get his uh, his operating system uh, updated, right? Uh, you, you've got the vice president of the United States, Kamala Harris. And then who's the fourth? Who's the fourth? Well, he told you who the fourth is. Hunter. 
the smartest man he's ever known. He is routinely around uh, the Bidens, typically in Delaware. So what you've got is a committee. You have a committee running this presidency. I'm I'm not going to believe for a minute that Hunter Biden's happy about the menthol cigarettes going away. I, I got a feeling he's probably a little bummed out about that. But the fact of the matter is, these are not good policies being made. You see what the priority is coming out of this administration right now. The the priority coming out of this administration right now is identity politics at every single turn. It's not about getting baby formula on the shelves. The priority is not about getting you affordable gas. In almost every issue that comes up, what do you hear from from Joe Biden? You hear how um, uh, communities of color or transgender, LGBTQ plus communities are um, uh, uh, suffering because of a given set of conditions, but he doesn't ever do it with gas. Isn't that strange? Like, he's saying, you gas companies, you bad guys, you better put out more gasoline, or else, you mom and pops at the gas station, you better cut those prices to a better price so people can get the gas. But he never says... Minorities hit hardest. He never says LGBTQ communities, they're suffering uh, extensively. I use this because he has a series of levers he pulls to try to get a desired outcome and to activate a given group of voters. The poll numbers that have come out just in the last uh, 24 hours, the Quinnipiac poll that has come out uh, talking about Biden's performance on the economy on inflation on gas prices do you want to know the two groups of people that biden is most underwater with right now 18 to 34 year olds as rush would say the utes and hispanic voters hispanic voters those are the two groups that are abandoning him in droves. When's the last time you heard Joe Biden say anything about the 18 to 34-year-old groups? You saw something take place overnight in the last 24 hours, and that is the Education Department for giving loans to 600,000 people that have, or for giving $6 billion in loans to students that have them. So there's your pander to the 18 to 34-year-olds. What's he doing for for Latinos and for Hispanic voters. What's he doing? You're seeing it right in front of your eyes. And this is how misinformed the president is. The border's open. People in the Democratic Party think that Hispanic voters want an open border. They talk about it all the time when they're talking about, hey, hey, we're going to get uh, work for the dreamers. Hey, hey, we're going to get amnesty. Hey, hey, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. The fact of the matter is you have 168 countries pumping people into the United States. Uh, Bill Malugin and, and uh, uh, a couple of other folks, uh, Griff Jenkins, I saw doing interviews over the weekend with people who were queuing up at the border uh, to come across. And he was taking uh, basically a poll of them. Where are you from? You had a, a large percentage of Indians, meaning from the subcontinent of India. You had a large population of Haitians coming in. You had a large population of people uh, coming in uh, for, from other parts of Asia. That doesn't help. That doesn't help Hispanic Voters, Latino voters, that doesn't do anything for them. 
but they've got these preconceived notions in their minds that ethnicity, sexuality, gender identity, um, racial background, that they flip the switches according to each of those groups when the reality is everybody's affected by high gas prices. Everybody's affected by crime in the streets. Everybody's affected by a desire to keep their family safe. They can't think outside those lines. And that will be the Achilles heel come November because you just saw what happened with Myra Flores winning that seat out of the state of Texas. A seat that had been Democrat for more than a century. And Joe Biden's answer is, hey, you in the mom and pop shop selling gas, you better drop the price of gas. Dot, 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 or else. American people aren't buying it. They're they're not buying it, and they're experiencing remorse for the choice they made in November 2020. And the Supreme Court is keeping everybody in the game. You're listening to The Dana Show. I am Brett Winterbull. Dana gives you the meat and potatoes news of the day. None of that tofu news. More like bacon with a side of hash browns news. The news you want, the way you want it. The Dana Show. And I am Brett Winterbull in for Dana on The Dana Show. It is uh, great to be here with you uh, today. Uh, President Biden is spending COVID money on weird environmental programs for the EPA. Did you know the Environmental Protection Agency spent $4.3 million in funds from President Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion COVID-19 relief package on environmental justice and climate change programs promoting activities like tree planting and pruning workshops? And I'm sorry, I don't mean to break here, but achieving greater acceptance of trees in cities. No, really, it's true. Last April, the EPA announced it was awarding $200,000 to dozens of projects focusing on COVID-19 impacts as well as climate and disaster resiliency. You had $2.5 million from the EPA's annual appropriation going to environmental justice. One Indianapolis-based organization called Keep Indianapolis Beautiful, KIB was awarded 200000 for an initiative called Greening Urban Neighborhoods, which included educating residents about the benefits of trees and increasing acceptance of trees in the city. I, for real, folks, isn't this absurd? Isn't this insane? Acceptance of trees? Uh, get, getting getting this stuff out there so the people could understand the trees, could 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 dig the trees, could be okay with the trees. Are you kidding me? Acceptance of trees in the city? Can you imagine somebody in a neighborhood and uh, all of a sudden a truck pulls up and out out of the truck comes a man who starts uh, removing trees from the back of the truck and starts getting them ready to be planted. And and he's saying, "Wait, wait, wait, wait right there, folks. Hold on. Hold on. We don't need no trees in this here neighborhood. You take those trees to another part of town. They're not welcome here. We're not going to put up with that. No way, no how. It's absolutely absurd. It, 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 it is absolutely absurd. It's absolutely absurd. It is now time for Florida Man. It's his life mission to make bad decisions. <laughs> 
It's time for Florida Man. All right, here's your uh, here's your Florida Man headline uh, of the day, and it involves a South Florida man at Disney with a Glock and extra ammunition. That's how it's written up out of Orlando, not the happiest place on earth, I guess. And our man stopped trying to enter Disney at Walt Disney World, according to the Orange County Sheriff's deputies, according to the arrest affidavit. Aaron Jose Lopez, 35, from Royal Palm Beach, was stopped at a parking garage in Disney for after a scanner alerted security about a possible problem. The security guard told deputies, I told him I was going to search his bag, and he told me he had a folding knife in his bag. I told him to show me the knife. I said I would still have to search the bag. Lopez reportedly responded, oh, there's something else in here besides a knife that I want to put back in my car. Lopez then walked and was stopped by security and brought to deputies. Deputies said Lopez was found to be carrying a black and bronze 9mm Glock handgun, was also carrying two Glock 19 magazines with 17 rounds of ammo each, and one box with 14 rounds of ammo. After doing a background check, they said that uh, Lopez did not have a license to carry a concealed firearm and was booked into the Orange County Jail charged with carrying a concealed firearm. Now, I mean... I'm all about the Second Amendment, and I'm all about the right to keep and bear arms, and I'm all about that. But it sounds to me like this guy was going into Disney and was maybe trying to settle beef. He may have been trying to settle beef with, oh, the Seven Dwarfs, uh, It's a Small World. That's a lot of ammo he's bringing in there to Disney. I, the fact of the matter is, you got to remember, Disney is the happiest place on Earth. And i got a feeling that this guy, when he got taken in a lockup, was at one of the saddest places on earth, which is uh, the lockup in the jail. I mean, that is not a good thing to do at all. What are you doing? Leave the gun in the car. Leave it secured. Everything's going to be cool. I mean, I know you are going to be robbed when you go into Disney, but that's just because everybody knows that a slice of pizza is now $72, and the ticket to get in is about $240,000. But that's it. Everybody gets robbed when you go to Disney. It's the happiest place on earth. Leave the gun. Leave the cannolis. Have the fun rides. Wow. Something to think about. Another hour straight ahead. I'm Brett Witterbull. You're listening to The Dana Show. I am Brett Witterbull. I am in for Dana on The Dana Show. It is great to be here with you on a very, very big day. The Supreme Court handing down a decision, no doubt you've heard already, a decision uh, telling the state of New York to uh, stuff it, to stuff it when it comes to uh, requiring special requirements to receive a concealed carry permit. In the state of New York, and uh, as you can imagine, the meltdowns are everywhere. Uh, the latest, uh, Keith Olbermann, I don't know if you remember this character. Keith Olbermann, uh, once upon a time, a sports anchor over on ESPN. Uh, then he became a political commentator, and I guess he's remained a political commentator. Uh, he has uh, put out a tweet. Uh, in some, it essentially says uh, that um, you need the legal theory of nullification uh, on uh, uh, on the Supreme Court that it's necessary to dissolve the Supreme Court and that rulings should be ignored by states. Uh, so that is that is what we got going on out there. That is what is happening uh, out there in the crazy, wacky, mixed up world uh, that is crazy progressive liberalism. I mean, the the, the takes on this are so bizarre. Uh, there are people who are saying, I don't see how it's possible that we're going to be able to keep guns off of airplanes or we're going to keep guns out of courthouses. Other people saying now is the time to repeal the Second Amendment. Somebody else said now is the time to repeal the Second Amendment. Oh, wait, the time to do that was when we established a military. This is how bananas the left is going. Look, 
you had a very good run. If you think about this, progressives, you had one heck of a run seizing power in the 1930s and keeping that power all the way up till, mm, let's say, 2022. You had a good run. You had almost a century of tyranny being uh, utilized against the body politic. And now things are being set right. What you have happening at the Supreme Court is called constitutionality. You, you, you read the Bill of Rights and you're able to immediately discern the things that government is not allowed to do to you. See, it's all about orientation. With the left, it's all about orientation. With the progressives, it's always orientation. What's your orientation? How's your orientation? Well, the orientation is this. The Supreme Court has upheld the promises of the Second Amendment by saying you don't have to go to some bureaucrat a la Kathy Hochul, uh, the governor of New York, or, 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 or some, uh, some uh, uh, you know, overlord in the city of New York, and beg, and beg to uh, practice your Second Amendment rights. There's no test for the Second Amendment rights. Jerry Nadler, Jerry the Whale, is very upset. He is uh, putting out tweets aplenty. Uh, these six justices have endangered New Yorkers and make us all less safe. Overreach like this is exactly why the court faces an increasing legitimacy crisis. With gun violence skyrocketing across the nation, we should be making our communities safer. This decision is shameful. That's Jerry Nadler. That's Jerry Nadler uh, who has the, the gall to make that assertion. Uh, out there that we're no longer safe when did safe become the metric when did safe become the metric i I think it came became the metric somewhere around 2017 when trump was elected i don't feel safe i'm not safe we're not safe stay safe you're not safe they're not safe we're not safe the constitution limits what government can do to you that's what it is it's not what you're permitted to do it's not that you're permitted for the freedom of speech. You're permitted uh, to uh, to practice your religion. You're permitted for uh, doing redress of grievances. You're permitted to keep and bear arms. You're, no, 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 no. It says to the government, you're not allowed to interfere with the freedom of speech. You're not allowed to interfere with the redress of grievances, the practice of religion, the right to keep and bear arms, the security of yourself and your property. The, uh, the, the, the non-quartering of troops in your homes. That's what the Constitution says. It says, you, government, may not do these things to these people. And it's why you have the Tenth Amendment, because it says, everything not spelled out here is reserved to the states. What's the Fed, what are the Feds allowed to do? Build an army, coin money, interstate commerce, doing a census. It's pretty much spelled out right there. It's pretty much spelled out. The provision, the default position is toward liberty and freedom. That's the default position. Not towards policing, not towards policing your behaviors, not towards any of those things. And if you want those things to happen, those things have to happen at the state level, not at the federal level. Now, Joseph Robinette Biden Jr., your president of the United States, says, I am deeply disappointed by the Supreme Court's ruling in the New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin. 
Since 1911, the state of New York has required individuals who would like to carry a concealed weapon in public to show a need to do so for the purpose of self-defense and to acquire a license. More than a century later, the United States Supreme Court has chosen to strike down New York's long-established rules of the road. Long-established authority to protect its citizens. This ruling contradicts both common sense and the Constitution and should deeply trouble us all. Well, you shouldn't be troubled, Mr. President. You've got the finest security in the world and the Secret Service protecting you. Unfortunately, regular normal people who, who, who live uh, in neighborhoods that are made unsafe because all of a sudden we decided the police were the enemy of the people... They they don't have the same sort of security that you and Hunter have, Jill has, Kamala has, Chuck Schumer and Nancy Pelosi has. We don't have that access to that. Now, if you'd like to give us universal bodyguards, okay, we could talk about that. Then Then we can discuss it. But the fact of the matter is we have the right to keep and bear arms, period, full stop, end of discussion. That's how it goes. If you are... If you are someone who who doesn't want to have a gun, you don't have to buy a gun. See, you get it from the abortion left, right? All the time you hear from the the folks that are freaking out about abortion. And they say, if you don't want an abortion, don't have an abortion. If you don't believe in gay marriage, then don't marry somebody gay, right? And that, that's the sort of arguments that you get from the left. So then you just turn around and you say to them, if you don't want to have a gun, don't buy a gun. If you are holopophobic, and people who are afraid of guns are holopophobic, they, they are worried, they are triggered, they are nervous when they see firearms, because firearms are able to get out of the box or out of the lockbox or get off the shelf or get out of the desk and fire on their own at particular people, then you don't have to have a firearm in your house. But if you choose to have a firearm... And you choose to carry a firearm because you know there are people who want to murder you or rob you or rape you, then it's your right. If you stopped 100 people in the street today and you said to 100 people on the streets of New York or Chicago or Charlotte or L.A., a man runs up to you and starts hitting you. Are you allowed to hit him back? What do you think 100 people out of 100 people are going to say? They're going to say, yes, somebody starts hitting me, I'm going to hit them back. Somebody comes up and pulls a gun on you. What are you going to do? I'm going to call the police. But what if you have a gun? Then I'm going to pull a gun. That's, that's just natural self-defense. But we're supposed to believe that in a city or a state like New York that probably can't even get its driver's licenses right, that can't even keep its businesses open, that has a difficulty in processing election results, that I'm going to trust some bureaucrat, member of a union, with with Captain Morgan's on his breath at 8 o'clock in the morning, I'm going to trust him to make the decision that I'm going to get to defend myself and my family? Are you kidding me? No. You guys have had a great run for a hundred years. For a hundred years, you've eroded trust and, 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 and livability in every American city. You have tolerated the most reprobate behavior. You have tolerated record numbers of murders, homicides, rapes, 
arsons, what have you. And now the American people are taking their power back. Sorry. We don't want to be governed by Gavin Newsom's standards or Bill de Blasio's standards or Kathy Hochul's standards or Andrew Cuomo's standards. We want to be governed under the Constitution and under our creator, God. That is it. End of conversation. But you're going to have now the gnashing of teeth and the freaking of out. And what's going to happen is it's going to be very interesting. Mark my words. You're going to see this in the next eight hours. Now you're going to have them get more radical with this bill that they're trying to pass out of the Senate on the red flag laws. Well, now that everybody's going to have access to a gun, we need much greater regulation than these regulations that we're willing to consider at this time. Mark my words, the Democrats are going to walk away from this bill and they're going to demand all kinds of accoutrements to try to drive the Republicans off the deal so they can take this as an issue going into the midterm election. I know this with biblical certitude. This is what they are going to do because they can't possibly be in business with these Republicans who put Clarence Thomas on the bench who made all of this happen. Boy, Kathy Hochul was fit to be tied. She is mad and hot as fish grease. And you know what? The system worked. This system worked. And yet, simultaneous to all of this, if you go to the channels, you're looking at January 6th hearings on TV. We'll talk about that straight ahead because the genie is now out of the bottle. I'm Brett Witterbull. You're listening to The Dana Show. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at danalash.com. All-important question, Betsy. Does the January 6th hearing break through at all? Is this more proof it does not? I don't think it does. I've talked to two separate Democratic members of Congress in the last couple of weeks about January 6th. Obviously, can't say who. And and both of them have said offhandedly, nobody gives a bleep about January 6th when they're talking about their districts and the way that elections play out. Uh, the reality is, obviously, it's a very important issue. Obviously, like I've been covering this nonstop for the last year. It, it's important. It's a, it's a key part of understanding American history and the democratic trajectory that this country is on. It is also true at the same time and not at all contradictory that it's not a top tier voting issue for people who are figuring out who they're going to support during the midterms. Top tier issues are material concerns. How are people paying yeah. their mortgages? How much does it cost to get right. milk and bread? How much does it cost to get gas? Do these hearings result in different electoral outcomes? comes for Democrats. I have yet to see any actual evidence that they do. Ladies and gentlemen, I am Brett Witterbull. It's the Dana show. That was Betsy Woodruff talking to uh, Chuck Todd and uh, letting the cat out of the bag. I know it's a surprising thing to let out of the bag. You've got somebody who is uh, basically saying even the members of Congress, Democrat members of Congress know that this is a joke as far as the voters are concerned. It's not a top-tier issue. Hey, we got a, uh, a quick five here? We got a quick five? And now, all of the news you would probably miss. It's time for Dana's Quick Five, brought to you by Caltech. 
Well, in case you're just joining us, uh, SCOTUS has thrown out New York's handgun law. That's how CNN describes it. The Supreme Court has issued a decision making it easier to carry, uh, conceal carry a weapon in the state of New York. So your uh, civil liberties are sort of being restored in a lot of ways. Uh, Trump and McCarthy, they're still having tension. It's still climbing. As January 6th hearings draw out, they really shouldn't be that big of a deal when you consider the fact that even Betsy Woodruff says people just don't get it. They don't care about it. They're not focused on the January 6th thing. And oh, by the way, was it a mistake? Was it a mistake to not have any Republicans, real Republicans on the committee? Uh, Because you would have had somebody who would have been affirmatively defending Trump instead of having Cheney and Kinzinger as, you know, sort of uh, fifth columnists, so to speak. The Supreme Court has shielded police from lawsuits over the issue of Miranda. That's a big deal. The Education Department, in case you hadn't heard this one yet, has agreed to cancel $6 billion in debt for 200,000 student loan borrowers. Now, you know what's interesting about that? Congress didn't do it. The Senate didn't do it. None of them did it. Mm-mm, mm-mm, no way, no how. It was the Education Department that's figuring it, that, that, that's forgiven the money. Finally, now, uh, Republican leaders are opposing this bipartisan gun deal as the Senate moves towards passage. This is going to be a huge, stinky fight that's going to take place as you take a look at uh, uh, the way this is going to play out. Why? Well, because with this decision coming out of the Supreme Court being penned by uh, 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 Clarence Thomas, what is the impetus? What is the impetus for Democrats now to do this bill, they potentially can run on, oh my God, all the Democrats are going to be targets for violence because the Republicans are on board with letting just anybody have a gun. The reality, though, today is the bad guys are strapped up. You're talking 400 million guns in America. A lot of them are in the hands of criminals, gangs, transnational cartels, you name it. It's just got to become a fair fight where you and I get to carry and defend ourselves should we run into uh, one of the criminals that wants to do damage or worse out there, generally speaking. Whole lot we're going to unpack coming up even more on this decision. Sam Alito bringing it. I'm Brett Witterbull. You're listening to The Dana Show. The Dana Show. This is good news for Americans. Instead of the gas tax going to maintaining roads and infrastructure, drivers will now save 18 cents per gallon. And then you can use those savings to buy a new car after yours gets swallowed up by a pothole. Not uh, totally off by Trevor Noah there. It is the Dana Show. I'm Brett Witterbull. One of the uh, things that I'm shocked by is the lack of creativity when it comes to policy fixes, especially when it deals with money. All right. You you can fund infrastructure in a number of different ways, okay? But what we do is we do it based on a gas tax. Uh, I, I don't think it's fully comprehensive, though. I don't know that, that, that taxing gasoline is the way you want to pay uh, for roads um, and, and, and bridges and, and things like that. Uh, to be honest with you, if you consider the numbers of people that travel into the United States of America, the millions and millions every year who fly in, uh, you could easily uh, do an excise tax on those uh, those airline tickets coming into the United States from people flying in overseas and, and use those travelers to fund a lot of this stuff. You know, the, the, the amount of money that goes to 
uh, infrastructure from the gas tax. Do you know how much is actually generated by the gas tax? It's about $6 billion. I mean, that, it's, it's not that much money. And I have been in plenty of cities and towns that have horrible infrastructure. You've got potholes that'll swallow your car whole, all that sort of stuff. And every time these these politicians want to do something that's kind of an easy lift, they'll talk about, well, we got to do infrastructure. Well, sure, we got to do infrastructure. I get it. We got to do infrastructure. So let's do infrastructure. How are we paying for it? Oh, well, we'll just raise the gas tax. The gas tax is just one of those catch-all things that doesn't really mean anything when you try to apply it to real policy. But you've got a president who has been jawboning the energy companies and talking tough about the energy companies, and then guess what you got? You get an opportunity for the energy company bosses to come in to visit the uh, White House, and Corrine Jean-Pierre, who's the new Jen Psaki, she's the, the new spokesperson there at the podium in the press room, she's asked... Is Biden going to meet with the oil companies? And here's what she says. I mean, the president expressed this, this sentiment again today on, on really laying down the hammer on these big oil companies. And so why is he not in the room tomorrow to express this message himself? Well, the president talked about this, as you, said, as you just stated earlier today. Um, the Secretary of Energy, Senator Granholm, was just standing before you, is going to have those conversations. Um, and uh, and what we want to see is a solution, uh, come up with ideas. There will be representatives from the White House who will be in the room as well. Who? Who? Buttigieg? On his bicycle? I mean, he's... Granholm? Laughing and giggling? <laughs> if I knew, if I only knew how it is we could get gas prices down. <laughs> she said to Tom Keene over on Bloomberg about four months ago. If the president is serious about negotiating or talking to the oil companies, why does the president not sit down and have a conversation with the oil companies? He's more than happy to talk to the Iranians. He's more than happy to talk to the Venezuelan government. He's more than happy to talk to uh, the Saudis, but he will not talk to the American energy companies. Why, why is that? You want to know why I think he won't do it? You really want to know? Should I do a, a Joe Biden stage whisper? Because he's afraid that he'll get his lunch eaten by the bosses of the oil companies. So he's going to walk in that room, the chairman of Chevron. Mobile Exxon. He's going to go in and talk to the guy from BP. He's going to go talk to the person from Sitgo. He's going to go talk to. He's going to go talk to those people and sit in that room, and they're going to say, "Why are you blaming us when you signed day one the end of the Keystone XL pipeline? Why did Andrew Cuomo ban fracking in New York State? Why did we shut off massive swaths of of land?" Because you told us that you were getting rid of us as an industry. He is afraid to go into that room. The only person more afraid to go in that room is the White House chief of staff, Ronnie Klain. And what, Jen Granholm is going to sit there and giggle. Oh, gosh, yes. Well, you know, we really would love to do a deal. But, you know, we're going to transition to electric. But electric's not really ready yet since we have 284 million cars on the roads right now in America. And there's only 600,000 electric cars and about 400 uh, charging stations. Oh, I'm just kidding. What, what, are you, what are you doing? 
you 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 don't understand how dangerous this is energy is the lifeblood of the world economy it literally is it without energy you don't have silicon valley without energy you don't have hollyweird or vegas without energy you don't have groceries on the shelves without energy you don't have people going to work without energy you don't have anything without energy you're basically north korea where the lights are on you know six hours a month energy runs this and the vast majority of the energy is fossil fuel based because you weirdos decided in 1979 that we could never do nuclear energy again because of three mile island and a decision that was made by guys who were freaking out when the core was getting hot that's it tell me all the times in american history that we've had a nuclear crisis on our soil after 1979 can't do nuclear why it pollutes so does everything the greatest the greatest emitter of co2 is by population the united states house and senate because all they do is talk you have a president that tells you that this is important and he doesn't have the spine to go into a room and talk to the bosses of the energy companies now i i'd get it if biden had a temper and if he went in that room and lost his mind and yelled and screamed and and, and threw uh you know threw a uh, a laptop at one of these guys telling him you better produce more energy but you and i both know this guy talks big big stories about corn pop big stories about how rough it was on the east side of scranton you know he tells you all those big stories about how tough he was remember he wanted to take trump behind the gym and punch him all that kind of stuff man he talks big 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 talked big 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 about the taliban after we lost 13 heroes at the gate in, in in at the airport right we will not forgive we will not forget he hadn't done jack diddly squat all he did was drone a family in a minivan this is a guy who talks a huge game a huge game and the reality is he's got nothing but talk this is why you need to have an enforcer when you're the president of the united states you have to have an enforcer who are the enforcers? George W. Bush had Dick Cheney as his enforcer. What was Dick Cheney's pedigree uh, after he left public service and before he returned to politics? He ran Halliburton. Al Gore was a green environmentalist wacko. He had no cachet with any outside group save the Buddhist monks who were uh, handing in travelers' checks to fund the Clinton reelect in 1996 in an effort to defeat Dole and Kemp. My gosh, Pee Wee Herman and SpongeBob could have beaten Dole and Kemp back in 1996. Who was Trump's enforcer? Pence. And Trump was also his own enforcer. Who was Obama's enforcer? Rahm Emanuel. And Biden, I guess, sort of, sometimes, maybe. But but the fact of the matter is, you have to have an enforcer. Kamala Harris is not an enforcer for the administration. 
She's not going to go in the room and say, blankety blank blank, you better start opening this and do this and do that. She's going to go in and giggle. She's, she's going to giggle about this. She's not taken seriously. I, this is the problem. Dwight Eisenhower had Richard Nixon as his enforcer. That's an enforcer. You had John Kennedy with LBJ going in there. LBJ was an enforcer. He could grab senators and throw them up against the wall and tell them how it's going to be. LBJ had a had a classic move he used to use on people. You know, LBJ was like six foot six, six foot eight. Do you know what his move was? He would bend down while talking to a person shorter than him and have his face be underneath the person looking up at them, starling. And they would then cut any deal he wanted. He did it while he was president, too. My point is, what is intimidating about this administration? What you're sending as a message to Putin and Xi and Kim Jong-un and the Mexican cartels is, I'm afraid to talk to the gas companies. What do you think the first thing that's going to be out of the hands, uh, out of the mouth of, of, of the, uh, the crown prince uh, in, in Saudi Arabia when, when Joe Biden comes walking in to ask for more oil? So you're not afraid to meet with me, but you were afraid to meet with the oil companies. And at that point, MBS is going to shake us down for all we've got. This is the problem. Being a president of the United States is 30% politics, and it's 70% theater. Why do you think Trump would say the things he said? Only Trump could go across the DMZ and stand in North Korea talking to Kim Jong-un. Because that sent a message to the rest of the world. Holy cow, he just walked into the DMZ. He just walked into North Korea, and there's Kim Jong-un eating an apple, and he's talking to Kim Jong-un in North Korea. you got to admit, that's pretty trippy. When you consider that eight months earlier, he was going back and forth, and you had people like Tom Steyer yelling and screaming that we were on the brink of nuclear war. Being president of the United States is about leadership, but it's much more about, about showmanship. You have to look like you're concerned. Unfortunately, this is a guy who doesn't have that skill set. See my earlier comments about the gang of four that's holding this thing together. There's no enforcer. I'm Brett Witterbull. You're listening to The Dana Show. Want a behind-the-scenes look at The Dana Show? Subscribe to Dana's chapter and verse newsletter for a deeper dive in all things Dana at DanaLash.com. And I'm Brett Witterbull. It is the Dana Show. Great to be here with you. It was a historic day. We got a big decision out of the Supreme Court. There was one other big decision that came out of the Supreme Court much earlier in the day, though, and it was uh, an issue out of uh, my state that I'm uh, that I'm uh, hosting NWBT in Charlotte, and that is the uh, the right to uh, fight for uh, voter ID laws. And uh, this is a big case because you have a Democrat who is the uh, attorney general of the state of North Carolina, and there's a challenge that's been filed by the NAACP saying, hey, we don't want to allow voter ID laws uh, in the state of North Carolina. So the Democrat is, in theory, the Democrat attorney general, is in theory defending the law. 
Well, the legislature, the Republican legislature has said, no, 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 no. We want to be a party to this. We want to defend uh, this law. We don't think the Democrats got his heart in it. And so the Supreme Court comes out today and says, yep, you guys in the state legislature, you can be the party to defend the voter ID law, not the attorney general in the state of North Carolina. So it's going to be interesting to see how this all ends up uh, shaking out. You know what it's time for, though? It's time for Today in Stupidity. All right, we had an interesting moment where uh, uh, <laughs> Jerome Powell is still trying to pretend like he knows what he's talking about, and he's still behind, <laughs> he's still behind the curb here, but this is, uh, this is what he blamed for inflation right now. I just would say it's clearly uh, both factors are, are principally at work here. You, you couldn't get this kind of high inflation without strong demand, and you certainly couldn't get it without the kind of supply issues that we've had both in the labor market reflected in high wages and then in, in the goods market reflected in what's happened with, with uh, um, durable goods. And, and cars in particular, you look there, there's a, it's been this driven by a semiconductor shortage. Right. So it's, wow. it's Americans' fault. It's all our fault. It is. You're consuming. You're consuming too much. You, you, you want that bacon and those eggs, and you want those steaks, and you want those wieners, and you want, you want all that stuff that you go out there and buy at the... You know, there's just this explosion of demand for food. We never thought there would be this much demand for food. Yeah, it's really incredible. These guys, uh, th- th- this guy, Jerome Powell, because um, I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated by the back backgrounds of people like this. Do you know what he used to do? He used to run the Carlisle Group. He was one of the Carlisle Group guys, a huge, giant, massive uh, uh, hedge fund. And so he's a smart guy. He understands dollars and cents and trillions of dollars and cents and all that. And he's coming out and going, what well, son of a gun? People wanted to buy food. People came out of the pandemic and wanted to buy cars. People want semiconductors. People, Yeah, because you guys are pumping cash out. You were, if you didn't lock the economy down, think about this. If you never locked the economy down, you, you would have had people going to work every day. They'd have been getting paid for their services. If, God forbid, you ended up with COVID, you'd have gotten treatment in the hospital, you'd have gotten the shot, whatever you had to do to deal with that. But you would not have crippled the economy and created a massive backup. And now you've got a massive backup. And you've got now too many dollars chasing too few goods, which is what inflation really is. So what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to tell you this right now. This is important, okay? They're going to be totally okay with 6 and $7 a gallon gas. You know why? It'll soak up the money in the economy. It'll go into the, into the bottom lines of those, of those big evil energy companies. And then in about uh, eight months, you'll hear yelling and screaming about how profitable these energy companies are, and they have to pay a windfall profit tax. That's what they'll do. They're going to try to capture the money back in that way. It's dishonest. Look, Jerome Powell, I know you sit at a country club, you make $203,000 a year for doing nothing as the uh, Fed chair. But the bottom line is the American people are having a tough go of it. The president won't even meet with the energy companies. The vice president is MIA. Secretary of Transportation is riding his bike all over the neighborhood. We need action. But most of all, we need to be grateful today because the good guys won with this opinion coming out of the Supreme Court on the Second Amendment. Thanks to Stephen and Dana and each of you. I'm Brent Witterbull. It's The Dana Show.